Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, welcome to the How to Live Podcast Uncut. For those of you who've listened before, thank you so much. In fact, someone who is a, a, a frequent listener asked me the other day, said, what makes you, you do the podcast when you know, you know that you can be rejected, uh, made fun of, mocked, uh, and appreciated? And I, I, I realized that when, when, he, when he asked me the question, my thought was the pain of not doing it is frankly put much greater than the pain of doing it, even if the, that requires being uh, ig- simply ignored or even mocked. Because the the truth of so many uh, things that I'm sharing, I've seen it benefit so many people over a period of 30 years that it's worth doing. Plus, uh, I have to do it because it's what I think about all the time. <laughs> so if I don't say it, I'll explode somewhere. So I, it's, I have to do it. So uh, anyway, I appreciated this question. If you're listening today, thank you for that question. Today, I want to talk about the, um, the, the power of fear and a couple of, um, of sort of misidentifications we have related to it. Later on, we'll talk about fear, anxiety, and even s- solutions around, around anxiety. But m- most of the time, whenever we have fear, uh, especially related to our uh, pictures of tomorrow, pictures of the future, we end up having anxiety because that that anxiety is what we do when we don't know what to do because we don't have control. So anxiety, worry, which we'll talk about later, are experiences of, of physiological experiences, what happens to us when we have inklings of the potential for helplessness. And fear, if we don't know what to do with it, will turn into anxiety. But today, I want to talk about two things. One is we we live a mistake in terms of what we've been taught. We've been taught that there is a, a an experience called fear of the unknown. Today's podcast is a lot about how the fear of the what we call the fear of the unknown, which is not real, not true, which I'll talk about also can keep us from the, our best lives now and the lives that we can have right now. So fear of, fear of the unknown is not something that we truly uh, are afraid of. But see, in reality, what we fear is a recurrence of painful events that we've already experienced, things that we've seen or that we know have happened to other people. Um, and so fear of the unknown is not fear of the future as much as the fear that the past will repeat itself in ways that are extremely painful or disastrous or embarrassing or humiliating. So this fear that we have of recurrence is almost always experiential and it's understandable. So when we talk about fear of the unknown, let's talk about fear of where we've been that can keep us from stepping into what we where we don't know what's going to happen. Because if we don't do so, that fear of a recurrence can become a trap, can trap us in a cycle. And the cycle can take us away from the future we could actually want. Our defenses can actually trap us in the past by coloring our futures with the pains of our past. 
In other words, I don't want to get my hopes up because then I'm going to be disappointed because my hope is about something being different than something that has already occurred. So it's it, and and we've hoped before and the hope didn't turn out well. So what's the point of doing it becomes the, the logic. So once we're wounded and not healed, not healed from loss, not healed from wounds, not healed from pains, not healed from from fears being realized because we're not in relationship to learn how to do things differently or be helped by people who have walked through the same experiences are being uh, led to uh, um, into the so the prayerful uh, and prayer and meditation of being able to depend upon God and others to walk us through things. We can often let our wounds become the boss, and so once we're wounded and not healed, we end up watching out for quote wounders unquote more than we reach out and trust for helpers. Thus, the old axiom: "Fool me once, shame on you." Fool me twice, shame on me. And this position that we end up practicing, while understandable, is really a survival-oriented rather than a thriving-focused experience. We're focused on survival, not letting something happen again, instead of the possibility that some novel, new, um, successful experience can occur, which is a thriving focus. Survival orientation leaves us emotionally isolated rather than courageous in full heart, full hearted participation. It, it maintains, the survival focus maintains predictability rather than the risk of experiencing change. And I did a podcast a couple of times ago directly connected to one thing that is a fact of life is that change is always occurring. You never dip your hand in the same river twice. So... If our past pain dictates the future and therefore the ability to hope for a better or different life than our past, then we can only go into tomorrow through the comfort zone of yesterday. In other words, the known that we've already survived. So we have to keep our lives in a box or keep it tight or keep it highly controlled to ward off the negative occurring. And what happens is that 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 uh, defense becomes a wall without windows and doors. It it's anticipates uh, the negative, blinds us to possibility. So by coloring our futures with a readiness for repetition of pain, we do make life more predictable. And we think that the preparation is going to lead to less pain. We hope that, that uh, we hope for a future that's better than the past is v- hoping for a future that is better than the past is very difficult. It does challenge us because a positive difference of change can be even more anxiety-provoking than the past we have already endured. Hoped-for outcomes uh, that that are realized might seem just too good to, to be believed. They might even make us let our guard down in believing that uh, life can be uh, like this all the time. And in that uncertainty that grows within us when something good occurs that we had hoped for, we start watching for the other shoe to drop. If our pasts aren't grieved, which opens us up to new experiences, we continue to um, sort of accept the possibility that nothing different will ever occur. We end up finding the other, the other shoe. I remember my one of my sons, and this was even in college, 
he uh, went four for four in his uh, first game of his starting season, which he was starting. And after the game, he actually said, which I loved, uh, he said, I may not strike out all season. And this is college baseball, D1. And that level of hope, though he knew good and well that he would strike out somewhere inside, we're so created for that imaginative possibility of the the thrill of living in a place without pain and a place of success. He let himself have it. And uh, and he would also feel the struggle of that which he pictured to be perfect wouldn't happen. So and yet he continued to come back to hope. So so daring to do it, it can daring to hope for a future that's as beautiful as we're created to see and even created to have because we carry eternity in our hearts is scary and difficult, leads to pain. But man, it's wonderful to to actually look into the possibilities of, that it could happen. That's what hope does for us. Outcomes that are better than our past do become more difficult to tolerate than being prepared for disasters or difficulties that have already hurt us. In other words, it rouses fear. And when we can keep the past at bay by keeping our present predictable, our, our anxiety goes down. But actually, the truth is our fear is not really abated. We know that we have survived the past and we're not sure if we can tolerate something greatly different. So fear begins to actually rule. So we often plan for the worst and we hope for the best as a way to reduce fear. That's the way the saying goes. However, in that statement is a hope that is so weak that we look more for what we have known than the unknown that might be amazingly better. So when we get control, which means we, we reduce our fear, but it's not really abated. It's really just simply reduced because of the, the comfort and the illusion that we've created a situation in which no pain will occur. But what happens is that we, we start to strangle hope. And because hope does rouse fear, because, because hope is a picture of a future different from where we are. And so when we start to, to, to strangle hope and reduce it, what happens is that we start looking more for what we have known than the possibility of an unknown that might be amazingly better. Ironically, the safest place we know ends up being that which is tragic. And it's a sad comfort of knowing that bad things will happen and always remaining prepared for them through hypervigilance or anxiety and its subsequent control factors. We have survived a tornado, for example, and head to the safety of the bunker every time it rains, which is what happens when we don't deal with and heal from the past that can control us. Our safety ends up becoming our vigilant preparation for a repetition of the past. We live attempting to prevent something that has already occurred. We fight phantoms that were once real experiences. This dynamic of staying safe, which are surviving, is what we have for so long called fear of the unknown, when it is actually fear of past pains, many of which have never been processed or dealt with emotionally. Instead, they have been endured only. And, and, and then we, in our own isolative state of not being healed through others and God, wind up uh, becoming extremely defensive and, and um, enduring through a series of cliches 
Uh, don't get your hopes up, and that way you won't be disappointed. Uh, better to plan for the uh, uh, worst, but hope for the best, which really means you're not hoping for the best. And the sayings go on and on and on about how to control life so we don't have to feel it. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. Truly, we, we really don't have control over much of what tomorrow will bring. However, if we do redevelop a growing trust in how we are created to live fully in relationship, number one, we can talk about our past as emotional experiences with others who can do the same, which begins to free us from the power of the past. It happens through relationship. It happens through the, we could even say, the magic of that which we once we're able to do when we were young and we return to being able to do it when we get older and we find that it is actually how we're made and it works to strengthen us. You've heard me say before that remember that a friend will share your sorrows and double your joys by the simple sharing of it. Um, I've Numerous times, I've, I've some, somebody might not have lunch. I may have brought mine and they didn't have it. I said, look, man, sit down with me and just just share what I've got. And I've, it's been amazing to me that sharing lunch ends up doubling the fulfillment. The idea that uh, someone who doesn't have can receive and somehow it's just strengthens. Ecclesiastes, as you've heard me speak of, you know, poor, pity the person who falls into a ditch and no one there, a hand to help them out. See, because if we have the hand to help us out, if we have the sharer nearby who will uh, uh, offer what they have. If we have someone who can have our sorrows and double our joys, we are literally not alone. So instead of anticipating humiliation, we anticipate success because we're not alone. So number one, when we do take time to talk about our past as emotional experiences with others who can do the same, it begins to strengthen us. Number two, we can reach out for the better by being with others truthfully who are truthful about their own inner selves, which gives us a recognition that we will all struggle with living. If somebody tells me, hey, man, this thing that you're going to go do is going to be hard, and I want you to know you can do it, I did it, and you have the same things I have, or they can say, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be right here after you go try this thing, and um I'm going to be proud that you just went. In other words, there's a, a sort of a tolerance of the human experience and re reality that failure is part of the human experience. But the beauty is in the courage of going, knowing that there's someone there who can address us after it's done. So we can actually, number two, we can reach for the, quote, better, unquote, by being with others truthfully who are truthful about their inner selves. In other words, they acknowledge times of loneliness, hurt, sadness, joy, that gives us all a recognition that life is a struggle with everyone who's alive. Number three, to, to let us step into fear, fear, but 
have uh, be able to step into the future, not by the past controlling us, but step into the future with hope that uh, that in which we acknowledge that when we do hope, we're going to be afraid. But fear allows us to reach out to the help of others. We can number three, we can process our fears of tomorrow with others, which can actually encourage us to risk hoping and moving toward the good we seek. In other words, their encouragement gives us courage, that full-hearted participation, back to being not alone. And number four, we can turn toward others, uh, those others who are daring to hope with faith, to talk about the struggle of pain that is in everyone's future. These are all similar, but I'll go back through them. Number one, to address uh, stepping into thriving, not allowing the past to control the future, we can talk about our past as emotional experiences. We can do so with others, and that begins to free us from the power of the past because we begin to see things differently and recognize that others are similar. Number two, we can actually reach out for the better uh, by being with others truthfully who are truthful about their inner selves. They talk about their own struggles of hope. They talk about the fears of taking risks. They talk about times when they dare to do it and it turned out well, which allows us to arouse our own hopes or at least process how something could be great for somebody else, but we fear it won't be great for us. Number three, we can process our fears of tomorrow with others. We can talk about what we anticipate and look at what's realistic that really can occur and what is phantasmic that is actually simply about what has happened before that needs to be dispelled. But, but when we can process our fears of tomorrow with others, we can get encouragement uh, to risk hoping and moving towards the good that we seek. In other words, they say, we're for you. And then also, fa- finally, number four, we can turn toward others who are daring to hope with faith to talk about the struggle of pain that is in everyone's future. In other words, they, they're going, they're going in faith. They know they're going to hurt and yet they're going anyway. And they can talk about the struggle that, that they're having with stepping into a future that is um, not known from the context of, of being able to be seen yet, but they're doing it anyway. And that is a form of encouragement because they can talk about it and you can talk about your own before you step into whatever battle it is that you're about to step into, even the battle of imagination. Anyway, so in this way, in these four ways, we grieve the past. And in this way, we also move with hope and courage and acceptance into life on life's terms, daring to imagine hope anyway, knowing that it's going to be struggle, knowing that things that have happened before can happen again, but the hope of the future is greater than the pain of the past. We can do all these things because we are not alone, no longer imprisoned by our own defenses that has had historically no walls and no doors. When we open, when we cut doors and, and, and crack open windows, move the seals off the windows and let the, let the voices of our hearts out into the relationship with others and their voices in, I'm, things actually change. We have an increase of hope, an increase of courage, and an increase of understanding or acceptance about life on life's terms. So we're not created to step into tomorrow alone or by just commanding ourselves to think differently. The past is emotionally laden, 
no doubt. Therefore, the change has to be emotionally oriented to allow us to develop a thriving focus. We must change with others. We can walk through our fears with others into the mystery of life unfolding into its possibilities, both the painful, which we will not see as dictators of our futures, and we can have the wonderful, which we can see and feel and accept because our past are not the summation of our futures. We understandably, to repeat, but we understandably fear the history of our yesterdays. It happened. It was real. It was painful. And that doesn't mean that's the future. If we dare to hope again with others in our lives to help us develop new pictures and new possibilities, we are created to learn from our past and integrate that past into the wisdom of living. And yet we're created for the mysteries of, of tomorrows. Mm-hmm.